is taken from James chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes scattered among the nations. Greetings. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. But when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double-minded and unable, unstable in all we do. This is the word of the Lord. Let's bow our heads in prayer together. You've given us many gifts already, O oh God company and fellowship of people that this morning we might not be alone. The sunshine, the shade, birds, it's a beautiful park, all these ways in which you minister to our hearts, you've given us life, joy, a taste of your beauty. But now we want to receive from one more gift of yours from your hand. That's your word. You treat it as a gift because that's what it is. You give us life that we don't deserve through it. You give us your love that we can barely comprehend through it. And you speak to our lives in a way that changes us, sets us free. We pray that you would do all those things by your spirit, that you would give us help. But we're weak, God. Our hearts, our souls are constricted and small because of the cares of life, different distractions, sometimes anger, whatever it might be, by your spirit. around predominantly Jewish Christian house churches across the Mediterranean region in about the middle of the first century AD. This letter contains rich teaching on, on what faith ought to look like in everyday life. Not faith in a vacuum or faith in theory, but how does faith in Christ show up in the details and the vicissitudes of life. So throughout this letter, James repeatedly urges us to 
put our knowledge of God into practice, to put our devotion to Christ into practice, to live it out, to recognize how faith in Christ changes the way that we approach every part of life. So as we'll see, the book of James addresses a variety of topics, poverty, material wealth, the desires of our hearts, the power of our words, prayer, conflict, planning for the future, and much more. And right from the start of the letter, right here today in our passage, James tackles a topic that's experienced by every follower of Christ, every human being, in fact, that lives in a broken world, the only world in which we live. And that topic, that experience, is hardship and suffering. Here he uses the word trials in verse 2 to describe these hardships. And he speaks of trials of many kinds. Some examples are mentioned in this letter if we want to have a taste of what James might have in mind. Poverty, exploitation, slander, persecution, spiritual doubts, moral temptation. Of course, James has a lot more in mind, the range of hardships that are common to us all. Illness, loneliness, grief, disappointment, death, pandemic. What's hard for you today? What's hurting right now? James invites us to call those trials to mind. And he teaches two things in this passage about those trials, how we're to see them, how we're to orient ourselves to those trials. And those two lessons are this. First, joy in our trials. And secondly, wisdom for our trials. Joy in our trials. Wisdom for our trials. Let's take a look. Joy. Here's what verse 2 says. You heard it before. Consider it pure joy, brothers and sisters when you face trials of many kinds. And okay, I know right away that might sound like just crazy talk. Maybe it even feels uncomfortable to you to be invited into a consideration of anything even close to joy as you think about your hardships, your pain. You might be bracing yourself, but please, let's listen to God's word. We are called to know joy in the midst of our struggles, both big and small. Already, this takes faith to receive, doesn't it? Now, keep in mind, pure joy doesn't mean nothing but joy. The Bible is very clear that there's room always in our trials for sadness, for anguish, and even anger in the midst of our pain too. But here is an invitation to joy. Now let's keep going. Why should we consider it a joy when we face trials? Well, James answers that question. Verse three starts with because, which signals that reasons are about to be given. And what we find in what follows are three reasons. The first reason, our trials purify our faith. Verse 3 refers to the testing of your faith. 
that we're testing doesn't mean quiz or exam. Just this last week, my kids went through a test and end of year exam. Maybe some of you kids also went through testing in math and literacy. No, no, James isn't talking about that kind of test. I looked up the word in an old Greek dictionary, and it said that that word often refers to a furnace for smelting. That sounds like something from Harry Potter. What does that mean? It's referring to the refinement process for precious metals. You heat things up so hot that all the impurities burn away so that all that's left in the end is pure gold. It's why the prophets often spoke of the sufferings of God's people using the same language as refiner's fire, a fire of refinement. You see, because sometimes God puts us through the crucible of pain to burn away impurities, obstacles, obstructions to our faith, even idols of our hearts. I've seen it in my own life. I wonder if you have too. Maybe even recently. Unwanted stress, pain, even in the last year has exposed my need for control or my tendencies towards anger or envy. What is the refiner's fire exposing in your life, even maybe burning away, in order to make you more like pure gold? You see, because that's what God is up to with these hardships, says the Lord. And at the end of it all, what's left is a faith, a life that's more pure, more true, more precious. You see, the heat will burn, but it's making you more beautiful. That's what God's after. Did you see, therefore, the love of God even in your pain. Not just the presence of God's love to comfort you despite your pain, but the love of God even in the pain itself that serves as refinement, as a way to make your faith more durable, more tested, more true. Faith that enables you with open eyes, now bigger eyes, to be able to see more clearly the love of Christ for you. The love of God through the heat that enables you to see more of the love of God. The first reason we should consider our trials a joy is because our trials purify our faith. The second reason is that our trials produce Perseverance. Again, verse 3. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces what? Perseverance. Romans 5, verse 3 teaches the same thing. We rejoice 
in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance, perseverance. And endurance produces character, and character produces hope. I mean, you know how this works. It's just like building up a muscle in the gym. Our faith becomes stronger when it faces resistance. I've always, throughout my childhood, been involved in different sports and activities that involved a lot of running, soccer, and other things. But I never enjoyed running itself. Some of you love running. I don't understand you. But you do this, and you do it well. I remember in high school, the first day of every season of a new soccer season, and even with all the skill that I had picked up over the years, every time I would come into the season so out of shape, that first day of practice, I'd always find my way over to the trash can to re-experience that earlier day's lunch. <laughs> out of shape, barely able to make it around the field once or twice without feeling it right in my gut. But then the next practice, a few more laps, and a little less nausea. And then the next week, a few more laps and a few more practices. Next time, a mile. Next time, two miles. By mid-season, three miles. No sweat. You know how it goes. The more you run, the more you put not only your legs, but also your lungs to the test of resistance, the stronger it gets. The more perseverance is built up the longer and farther you can run. And it's no different, it's no different with the muscle of faith. It's no different with the lungs of faith that breathes in the air of God's grace. Where we find ourselves, because of our trials, able to keep going without giving up. Even amidst trials and pain, where we find ourselves precisely because of those moments of hardship, that next time I find my faith less crumbly, more durable, more able to withstand crisis, where we grow beyond what you might call a, a fair weather faith. You know, where you only know how to trust God only when things are sunny and nice. See, James is pointing us, even commending us, to us a perseverance that enables us to walk faithfully, which means to love God and love others around me, even when times are tough. Don't you find that to be the big challenge? When things hurt, our attention, our energy suck within. Understandably, we're trying to survive. But one of the hardest things to do in those moments of trial is to lift your face up towards God and especially to love Him. And it's hard then to lift our faces outwards to notice other people because all of our energies and our attention are directed to ourselves. 
See, the perseverance of trials teaches us to love God and love others, even in the midst of our pain, even when the times are tough. The third reason that we find here that we're taught why we should consider our trials a joy is that our trials complete us. Well, we're already moving in this direction. This point shouldn't surprise us. Verse 4, let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Mature and complete. James uses two words there that mean unblemished, whole. God is making us through our trials all that he intends us to be as we grow in our likeness to Christ, as we grow in humility and confidence in faith, as we grow in love and self-sacrifice, as we grow in our ability to mourn with other people and rejoice with dancing, as we grow in our wisdom in the way that we walk, as we grow in the way in the ways that we work. In every part of our life, it's through trials that God makes us more mature, more whole. As you may know, we cannot grow in our faith in Christ apart from Scripture, God's Word. We can't grow apart from prayer. We cannot grow in faith apart from the fellowship of God's people. But do you see that this verse adds one more thing to that list? Suffering. Suffering. Faithful perseverance in the midst of our suffering and trials is necessary for spiritual maturity. If you want to be all that God intends you to be, a glorious, radiant image of Christ himself. You cannot get there without trials. Trials that strengthen your faith muscle. Trials that give you the endurance to run, lo run long and run hard in the marathon of love for God and neighbor. We cannot be complete in our faith apart from the refinement of trials. God uses our trials to make us more whole. And it's why James says then the result is that we're not lacking anything. We have what we need, not for life to be easy, but to do what God calls us most to do in every given moment, that is to love him and love those around us. Friends, you get a lot of things as we grow in perseverance in our trials. We get a lot of things, but the thing we most get is God. Because wholeness and completeness and maturity of faith, more than anything, means growing in our knowledge and our joy in God. Jesus himself told us that. This is eternal life, he said. This is life to the fullest. This is the life for which you've been made. What is it, Jesus? To know me. To know God. And don't you see how this works? Why it is that even our trials and pains as 
hard as they can be. And friends, please receive the compassion of Christ in whatever pains that you are struggling with today, whatever is making it hard, whatever has you doubled over in your bedroom, whatever has you dragging yourself even to this gathering, even today, know the compassion that Christ has for you. And yet know also that it's in those very sufferings that Christ shows us more of himself. Because you see, I can't know how reliable God is, except that I experience the unreliability of this world. I don't really see just how dependable God is, the rock and foundation we have of life, until I am wounded and broken by the undependability of the things around me. I don't know how God is so patient, is patient, God, until I see clear signs of my own impatience. I don't know how faithful God is until I see and feel what it means to be betrayed by others. I can't see just how forgiving God is, except that I also see how deep and wide and long is the sin that I sin every day. And until I see the grace and the love of God that is even deeper and even wider and even longer than everyone of my sins. And I can't know the great sufferings of Christ, which is the doorway through which I can know his love for me, until and unless I myself taste a little piece of that suffering so that I can say along with the Apostle Paul in my sufferings I participate in the sufferings of Christ. My pain helps me to know the pain of Christ. My pain helps me to see more clearly the love of Christ in the cross of Christ. Dear friends, in our trials, we find a window to the heart of God. It's in our trials that we begin to receive more of God. Johnny Erickson Tata is a fine teacher, author, and suffering saint. She's also an advocate for the disabled. She herself being a quadriplegic for over 50 years. She's now 72 years old. She's also suffered through two bouts of cancer, multiple rounds of chemotherapy, chronic pain. And she's written some incredible teachings on the nature of faith and pain in life. And I quote her often because she has such not only insight into God's word, but integrity in her own life as a sufferer herself. Listen to her words, what she said last May. This is just last May in the midst of the COVID pandemic in an interview that I came across where she was sharing a little bit about 
what it can mean to have joy even in our sufferings. She said this, sometimes we find God in the place where we would least expect him to show up. Suffering is like little splashovers of hell. Some of you know that. But what are splashovers of heaven? She asked. Are they those easy breezy great days when there are no problems, when all the bills are paid, there's no pain, the sun is shining, the birds are singing, and all is looking bright? No, she says, that's not a splashover of heaven. A splashover of heaven is finding Jesus in your splashover of hell. When we find Christ in the midst of our most hellish circumstances, that's when we experience heaven's joy and his grace and the peace and the profound power in being able to smile not in spite of adversity but because of it because in some way you've been drawn closer to christ than you would have ever dreamed possible Johnny speaking a little bit to that mystery, and oh, it is a mystery, isn't it? Of what it means to consider it pure joy in the midst of our many, many trials. You see, what Johnny is talking about, what James is talking about, is, is not just a how-to as that how to approach our sufferings, but it's a whole different way of looking at life in this world. It's understanding that God's fundamental calling in our lives is not just to live a pain-free life, but it's to know God and to experience more of Christ in the midst of that pain. Because the point of everything is to know more of Christ. And it's in Him that we find more freedom. And it's in Him that we find more life itself. It's in Him that we find more meaning and purposefulness even in our suffering. It's in Him that we find glory and not only relief. Dan Doriani, a fine teacher and commentator, wrote this about this passage. James has more in mind than the truism, we grow strong in our adversity. He wants us to see the world in a certain way. That the goal of life is not to find a maximum pleasure the goal is maturity and endurance, not self-actualization and a pain-free life. The goal is Christ. And the only way, God says, to get there is by exercising that muscle of faith. And the only way to do that is to bear under faithfully the resistance of our trust. wisdom, you should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. And perhaps, 
that might seem to you to be a, a non sequitur, a strange direction for him to take this conversation about trials. And yet I think his point is simply this. What is it that we most need when the times are tough? What is it that we most need to ask God for in the midst of our pain and trials? For many of us, the things that are most on the tip of our tongues in our prayers, it's relief. God, take it away. And let me be quick to say, it's not wrong for us to ask for that. God wants to give you relief in your pain. But here's something that we're invited to ask that might be unexpected to us. When it hurts, God invites you to ask for wisdom. For wisdom. You see, because when we're suffering under hardship, sometimes what happens is our field of vision before life becomes cloudy. It's not just that it hurts, it's that our whole soul and sometimes our body is wincing so much we can't even see. What is wisdom? The wisdom that we need? Wisdom is guidance and direction as to how ordinary life works best in the light of God. Wisdom isn't just moral commands. Wisdom is knowing how to connect the dots of life together. It's practical. It's real world. It's navigating life through the lens of God's word. Wisdom sometimes is stuff like this. When you're suffering, sometimes what you need is a nap. To honor the way that God has made us as weak and weary people. There is no command, you shall take a nap today, but there is a command called the Sabbath, and there is a lot of recognition throughout God's word that we are frail people whom God loves, and sometimes the best way to suffer well is to honor the weakness of your body and your mind. Take a nap. That's wisdom. Sometimes what we need is the wisdom that says what you need to do when it hurts is to put yourself in the way of beauty. That was the counsel of Dr. Kurt Thomas, Thompson last fall, last winter, when we heard him as a Christian psychiatrist and a therapist giving direction as to what we most need given the trauma that we have collectively suffered throughout this pandemic. He says, yes, we need a lot of things, God's word, the fellowship of the church, but what we perhaps most need practically, here's wisdom, is to put ourselves in the way of beauty, to experience God's creation, to immerse ourselves in well-done art and music, and to create beauty ourselves, to put our hands to work, to activate our souls, our brains, our bodies in a way that actually restores us. That's wisdom. You see, what we need to ask God for is, God, give me wisdom that I need to suffer well, to be restored, to find perseverance that I might see more of you. And how do you get this wisdom? Verse 5 is very simple and clear. Ask God. Ask God. This is so easy. Ask Him. 
and he'll give it to you. Because he's a God who, James says, gives generously to all without finding fault. Verse 5 literally reads, let him ask the giving God. Generously. That word literally means simply. It points to the purity of God's motives. When God gives, there's no quid pro quo. There's no strings attached. <coughs> According to God's motives, he simply gives because he loves to give. As Doriani says, again, the simple gift neither pays back nor expects a payback. God's gifts do not become debts. God wants to give us wisdom. God wants to be near us in our pain. Have you asked him to do just that? He will do it. The one condition, of course, James says, is to not doubt, but to believe that God is who he says he is, a generous and giving God. That he'll do what he says he'll do. Give us wisdom if we ask him for it. Here, the Bible is not saying that there's no place for doubt for weak and sinful people like us as if he's scorning us or making it impossible for us ever to receive wisdom. When can I ever say I've overcome all my doubt? No, he's talking about willful doubt, a committed kind of doubt, what he describes here as a double-minded kind of doubt, where I'm asking God for things, but I really don't think he'll ever give it. Cynical about the kindness of God, asking to get it, but not really to get him. The doubt that says, I don't really want to believe, though I'm going to ask. See, don't forget, even Thomas's doubts were honored. Even the father who struggled to believe, saying, I believe, help my unbelief, was loved. James is not casting aside our weakness of faith. He's calling us to a faith that doesn't shape shift, that doesn't have deliberately mixed motives, saying one thing and knowingly believing another. Rather, to bring ourselves wholehearted before God to say, God, give me wisdom that I need. Dear friends, will you pray this week for wisdom? To say to God, it hurts right now, and I know you love me. Can you show me what you want me to do? How can I love well? What do you want me to see? Give me wisdom Oh Lord, today, and trust that He will give it. Friends, life is full of hardship, isn't it? Let's be real. The last year has been really hard. Here we have God inviting us to maybe a radically different way of relating to those pains. Consider it pure joy and ask for wisdom and not just relief. That we might love God in the midst of our pain and flex our muscle of faith that we might see Him and actually see those around us even when it hurts. That we might become more like Christ who suffered for us and even in the midst of that suffering, love gives us now His Spirit that we might be like Him. I know it hurts. It does. But God gives us glory, even in the midst of that pain. God sometimes turns up the heat 
will burn. But don't you know, dear friends, it's making you more beautiful. Let's pray. We believe, help our unbelief. Give us more of Christ. Help us to see him, to know him, to love him, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Oh, <clears throat>